God bless Rihanna and her power. And uh, with that, let's bring in TSN Hockey Insider Chris Johnson and all of his many insider powers. CJ, how are you doing this Friday? I'm well, although I am confused that our, our normal lunch date got moved back. I can't figure out why that would be. I know. We had this yeah. guy on PK. Pretty cool dude. He he told us a story, CJ, about we were talking about minor hockey and all of the fun he had at the GTHL. And he told us one so, so quintessential Toronto story, so quintessentially GTHL, about being traded at eight years old from, from one team to another. So we did have to get the full trade details from him before we can get you on. Wow, PK needed a no-trade clause when he was eight. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, RTSN Hockey Insider Chris Johnson with us right now. And, and Chris, Dubas spoke to the media yesterday. He, he didn't say much. A lot of legalese, which was kind of expected. He wasn't going to show his whole head and ahead of the trade deadline. But what did you take away mostly from his little chat? Was it the fact that it didn't sound like he's overly into the idea of all the big fish rentals, the the O'Reilly's and the Canes of the world? Yeah, I think he was very honest um, and direct about what he's thinking. And, you know, my takeaway was that he, he basically shut down any of that speculation that might attach the Leafs to those top names. Now, I suppose something could change. Maybe the market shifts. Maybe, you know, one or more of the, the shinier toys, we'll call them on, on the, you know, that are deadline shifts. You know, maybe the the prices drop and it, it changes something for the Leafs. But at this point in time, it certainly doesn't sound like we need to be talking about Timu Meyer or Patrick Kane or you know some of the the big names you'd find if you if you went to TSN's trade bait list uh, in the Toronto's plans because they just simply don't want to surrender the the future capital, be it you know a top prospect like Matthew Nyes or or one of their first round picks to get in that kind of bidding. And and you know I thought Kyle you know was pretty clear about that. It didn't seem like there was. There was no deception. I think I think that's how he thinks, and and I and that's you know basically what he said to the media yesterday. So, what names are you circling then? Like TSN's trade bait board 2.0 came out today. Is there anyone on that board that you look and say, okay, that might be something that Kyle Dubas of the Maple Leafs might be able to go out and get? And did you get a sense of whether or not he's leaning one way or the other when it comes to uh, tackling the defense or tackling a, a top six forward? Yeah, I didn't get that sense based on his comments yesterday. I think, you know, he was clear that, that they're looking to do both. I think ultimately when it gets to March 4th and, you know, if we were to chat that day, we'll be talking about at least one addition at each position. Um, you know, granted that that might be smaller additions, not that, you know, I'm not saying someone that's going to be grafted onto the second line immediately or anything like that. Um, you know, but it, it, it seems to me that, that he's bargain shopping and it re- reminds me a little bit of last year. I mean, you know, Ben Sherratt, that trade to Florida, went down ahead of the deadline. You know, Florida paid a first-round pick for a rental. You know, you see Tarasenko go yesterday, and that's a first-round pick plus for a rental player, you know, going from the Rangers to the Blues. And, you know, Dubas swooped in towards the end and, and got Giordano and Colin Blackwell for a couple second-rounders. I, I think that, you know, depending how the market evolves, I, I think that there's not one specific target for the Leafs. I think it's more... Let some of the, the, the teams that are really going to spend, let a team O'Meyer come off the market and, you know, whichever team, whether it's New Jersey or Carolina, um, you know, trades for him and then, and then see where it's at with everything else. Because, you know, I still think ultimately this will be a buyer's market. I, I don't see that many teams out there with enough cap space and, and, you know, the willingness to give up a lot of pieces. Obviously, there's a couple teams in that boat, but, um, you know, I think that the Leafs are going to just see how things go and then pivot uh, when, when it gets closer to March 3rd. 
weirdly, though, it also seemed like he's willing to see what he's got with some of these younger guys who have come up, the Bobby McMahons, the Holmbergs, and uh, Alex Steves is brought up. He'll play in this game this weekend as well. You know, one of the other things that I pulled out from the chat yesterday that Dubas had was he wanted to see what those guys could bring. And I believe that there will be, at some point, they'll add something there that to also compete with those guys. But is there anyone who you look at of those AHL call-ups and say, hmm, maybe he might be able to factor into a playoff roster? Well, I'd say Pontus Holmberg has the inside track now. You know, he's played the most games among the, the, the players we might, you know, put in that class. I think that, you know, Sheldon Keith has been quite complimentary of, of you know, the, the faith he has in a young player defensively, which... You know, we're talking, you know, bottom six roles here. You know, those those are players, when you get to a big playoff game, you, you just can't have them being scored on in a, in a big moment. I mean, obviously, if they could chip in a big goal, that that's that uh, would be really nice. But I, I think, really, you're, you're trying to play those minutes at even. And if you're the Leafs, you're betting that your top six is going to outperform the other team's top six. I think it's a reasonable way to look at things uh, with Toronto's talent. Uh, so I, I think Holmberg's the most likely to play a playoff game. But... You know, what I took away, too, is, look, there's, there, we know if, if the Leafs play enough playoff games, there's going to be injuries. Uh, maybe there's going to be some, some performance issues. Like I, I, they have not been afraid to cycle a lot of people through this lineup. You know, the last I saw, they, they played the second most total number of players of any team in the league this year, and partly that's driven by injuries, but I think they've also wanted to, to give guys a look. Remember, they called SDA up earlier in the year, too. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if there's a benefit to this, this playoff format and where they're they're kind of locked into their spot, so to speak, or, or reasonably locked in. I, I think that they can experiment, and obviously at some point, Matthew Nyes, we would expect when a season's done at the University of Minnesota, will sign. I think they're going to try more players there and, and see who fits. And so, if we look in the here and now, there's a big opportunity for Alex Steves because he, um, you know, he's he's the guy that's going to get in the lineup, and if if he performs well, I think they've shown that they're willing to keep running with you. Yeah, Kyle Dubas, a true millennial king of a GM with his upcycling and his thrifting and his reclamation projects uh, with our TSN <laughs> Hockey Insider Chris Johnston right now. News dump day yesterday in Leafs Nation, CJ. Timmins got an extension. Were you surprised at all to see it in season? I know you had hinted at it uh, not too long ago on Insider Trading. Do you expect any of the other Leaf UFAs to sign in season? I don't expect anyone to sign in season. That could change with a phone call. I mean, we know someone like Michael Bunting wants to stay in Toronto. He's a pending UFA. I, do, I don't sense there's been anything real in terms of negotiations with him. Do you know what, uh, what, what, it, what, it, what it might look like there in terms of Michael Bunting? I don't because... Eight the, years. The wow. They haven't engaged. <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I think what makes most sense, honestly, is a long-term deal because... That's a way for the Leafs to keep the cap hit down. I think for Michael Bunting, let's remember, you know, played 300 or 400 AHL games in his career. He, you know, he, he, that kind of security would be huge for him. I think staying at home, like, like I think, I think there's a pathway to a deal there that's, that can work for both sides if they get to down to business. But again, unless it's happened totally in a secret, I, it, I don't think that they've really negotiated at all. I don't think they've exchanged numbers. Uh, and so this is, you know, it's hard to get a read on where exactly that goes. Um, you know, I think the Leafs want to see what, what all these players do. I don't just mean that for Michael Bunting. I think, you know, for them, they have a huge amount of cap flexibility heading into next summer. I mean, you just just go to your favorite uh, cap site and, and scroll. I mean, that's eight or nine or ten UFAs, depending on which players, how deep you want to count, you know, current Leafs um, that, that could be walked out the door. You know, Timmons is a different situation. He was an RFA for one. And, you know, he's, he's finally started to kind of establish himself in Toronto. 
you know, it seems to me at minimum he's a pretty clear replacement longer term for someone like Justin Hall, who's another one of the UFAs, uh, right shot defenseman, and, and, you know, they locked him in at a number below what Hall's been being paid. So, you know, if the, if that ends up uh, being the case, then, you know, I think it's, it's good business for him. But, no, I, I can't say that I've detected any whiffs of, of serious negotiations with any other guys, and so... Let's see how the season unfolds because, uh, you know, there's, there's so much riding, not just on these last 30 games in the regular season, but what happens in the playoffs for, you know, people at all all levels of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Timmons ones is kind of interesting, though, just because you look at right now with everyone healthy, kind of on the outside looking in, like, don't you think at some point they got to start filtering guys in and out almost like a rotation like they had last year with Dermot and, you know, they had guys kind of coming out, but I, you don't really want to – mess with the six that are there. I mean, how do you get Timmons some ice time here if everyone's healthy? It's a great question. You know, I, I asked Sheldon Keith that maybe two or three weeks ago anyway, but at some point before the All-Star break, and he was sort of saying what you said, is I, I don't think he wants to mess too much. I mean, obviously, maybe in, in, in a situation like this where they have back-to-back games, there might be an opportunity to, to swap, you know, Timmons in for one of those games uh, and, and take someone out. But, yeah, it's it's a little bit delicate when they're fully healthy. Of course, this year, full health hasn't been something the least blue lines enjoy too often. And so, you know, it's been somewhat moot to this point. But, you know, I, I really think that Timmons signing is about the next couple seasons more than this year. I mean, he's he's clearly not in the top six. I think we're talking about them potentially uh, bringing in another D, I mean, the, the, which would presumably knock him down even further in, in terms of the depth chart for the moment. But, you know, they like what they've seen in the, the – 20-odd games he's played so far. Uh, he's put up some points, um, you know, been used in some high-leverage situations. You know, a couple nights didn't go his way, but I think that that's to be expected given his experience level and some of the injuries he's, he's coming back from. And so this is this is about long-term security where I think Connor Timmons doesn't have to worry about his performance night in and night out and what it might mean. It's, it's saying to him, look, you're a big part of our future. Stick with it and be ready to, to be called upon when you're ready. Let's go around the league a little bit at some of the big names that are looming around the trade deadline. And, and Patrick Kane was the guy coming into the season that was obviously the biggest name on, on the trade bait board. But but yesterday's trade with Tarasenko kind of told us in the tea leaves that, uh, I don't know, maybe something about Patrick Kane's health. Like, where are we at right now with the Patrick Kane sweepstakes and how much is his health factoring into it? Well, I know for a fact the Rangers you know, were interested to a degree in Patrick Kane as they were with Timo Meyer, and they were nervous. Um, they were nervous about the, the hip injury that Patrick Kane's dealing with. And, and, you know, I think also about the potential cost to acquire him. Obviously, he has a bigger cap hit than Tarasenko. So for, you know, the combination of those reasons, it's not just one. They ended up, you know, making the move on Tarasenko instead now. And, you know, I do wonder where it leaves Kane. Um, I don't think it's by any means a foregone conclusion that, that he'll be dealt. Uh, by March 3rd, but, you know, the power still is in his hands, and, and you know, I, I'm not privy to exactly what he's thinking in each moment, but, you know, in the next week or so, I think he's going to have to, you know, give the the Blackhawks and management, you know, a clear indication of if he's willing to move, if that's the case, where he might move, and then they really have to engage with the potential teams. You know, I, I, the, the only dark horse here I wonder about is, is the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm. Um, Always in the weeds. Yeah, with with the Mark Stone news over the All Star break, you know, it, it looks like they have cap space we wouldn't have projected for them, you know, entering this deadline. It's not to say it has to go to Patrick Kane and you know Timo Meyer. I think that they they could be a bit of a dark horse candidate on Meyer as well. Um, you know, with that that new cap room that they've, you know, 
unfortunately fell down with their captain out injured again with a, a back injury again for the second straight season. So, you know, I don't know what Patrick Kane thinks about that, but maybe, I guess my point is maybe a team could, could come up. Maybe there's another contender that gets an injury between now and the deadline that isn't really on our radar and might, you know, change Patrick Kane's mind or, or give him something to think about. But, you know, certainly the Rangers were believed to be, you know, a, a preferred destination for him if he was going to think about leaving Chicago, and that, that now appears to be uh, not in the cards. In conversation with Chris Johnson, our TSN Hockey uh, Insider, and uh, as you know, the, the trade bait board came out, and I think Luke Shen was, uh, was, was a name out there that a lot of Leaf fans are, are curious about, potentially a reuniting with Luke Shen, um, but I, I think I saw he left the game a couple days ago, didn't play last night against the Islanders. Is there a situation there where maybe Luke Shen doesn't get, uh, get dealt? Like, what's the, the latest on Shen? Well, there's a couple of situations. I think, for one, Rick Tockett and Adam Foote, you know, the new head coach and assistant coach, are, are, are big fans of Luke Shen and, and, you know, wouldn't maybe mind from the coaching side of things keeping him around and maybe even looking at an extension with him. I think he would certainly be open to talking about staying in Vancouver beyond just a season. Um, you know, he spends his off-seasons in Kelowna, and, and you know, it's, it's a comfortable situation for his family. Um, yeah, as, as for the injury, I, I don't have any reason to believe it's serious. I think it's more precautionary than anything. And, you know, it really seems like the Canucks are going to play this out and see where, what the offers are. I, I don't get the sense that it's like we have to trade him for whatever the best offer is, even if it's a crappy offer. I think, you know, if someone comes in with a strong offer, they'll, they'll look at it. Uh, but if not, you know, maybe, maybe they pivot and, and resign Shad. I think he's truly what I might call a swing player, you know, at this deadline, you know, if you go down that trade bait list, I mean, when you, when you see, you know, Gavrikov in Columbus to pick a player, well, I would say to you he's being traded. It's, there's not a scenario I, I would see him still being in Columbus, whereas with Shen, um, you know, teams like him, but but he's a depth option, obviously, and I don't think someone's coming up with a first-rounder or a second-rounder for him. And so the Canucks will have to make a, make a decision when they see what the best offer is. The Canucks always do this, though. Like, they literally <laughs> always do this. I remember this is eerily similar to the Dan Hamhues situation a couple of years ago, is it not? It's funny you mention that. I remember that. Was it like, did they kind of say that the best offer was like a fifth-round pick at the time or something for Hamhues or something like that? But, yeah, they ended up holding on to him. I remember that. Yeah, and that didn't go over very well in that market. And it would be interesting to see if Luke Shen sticks around, how that's going to go over uh, in that market. Um, speaking of markets out in Western Canada, I'm sure the Calgary market is not particularly happy with how things have been going lately for them. What do you think their vision is for the upcoming NHL trade deadline? I really do think they're kind of caught between two ideas now. I mean, look, this is meant to be a year that they're supposed to be competitive. They have been competitive, just not not to the level that they would have expected entering the season. Um, and, you know, they've, they've been looking for help up front. I, I think Brad for Living has wanted to, to add another, you know, semi-impactful forward if, if he could all year long, wasn't able to do that. You know, unfortunately, they haven't had Oliver Shillington this year. You know, he's been out with a, sort of a personal issue that, that they haven't gone into. So, um, you know, I could see them trying to add a defenseman. I certainly don't see them becoming sellers. I, I guess the question is how aggressive are they in buying uh, as, as the deadline gets closer? And, and, they're in a funny spot because as we're talking now, you know, they're technically just on the outside of the wild card race, you know, that wouldn't be in the playoffs today, but they're also only eight points from the top of the division. And, you know, Vegas is, is the team right now at the top of the division. Vegas just suffered another injury to their goaltender, Logan Thompson. Yeah. They mentioned Mark Stone about. I mean, they've had really, too. really tough injury news constantly in Vegas this year. And so 
if you're the Flames, even as, as much as this season hasn't gone the way you like, like I, I don't think you can write off the team's potential. And so you know, I, I, I do believe when push comes to shove, they'll be adding. I just, I not, not clear to me how aggressively they'll be, they'll be in the mix. I mean, maybe they're going for what we'll call the second tier forwards. You know, someone like a James Van Riemsdyk, for example, or you know, maybe not again the, the, the players that that are you know sucking up most of the oxygen in conversation right now, but. You know, I think that, that they'll look to add there, and, and you know, obviously missing the playoffs would be a massive disappointment after the offseason they had. Uh, appreciate the time, as always, CJ. Uh, we got, what, three weeks till the deadline today? Two weeks next time we chat? 21 days? Maybe? So we'll see exactly. That's, yeah, three weeks, it's 21 wild. days. Right. Yes. deadline. <laughs> it, it is. It's going to be insane, actually. And then you'll be on air for, like, 14 hours, as everybody always is on those days. But at least it's a Friday, and you'll be able to go and have yourself a nice cold one afterwards and celebrate. So three more weeks uh, and counting until that day. But really appreciate it, as always, pal. We'll chat again next week. Yeah, lose my phone number as of March 4th for a couple of days. <laughs> I can just like go, and go into a cave, maybe go somewhere warm or something. All right, I promise we won't chat with you until March 10th after that Perfect. day. Promise. Perfect. I should be recovered by then. All right. <laughs> Enjoy your weekend, buddy. Yeah, you too. See you guys. There he goes. Chris Johnson, our TSN hockey insider.